0: This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, a post mortem on what? Yes, the young Restless and Reformed. We still do that because I am Matt, and I am again after a long, winsome winter, rejoined by Pastor Michael Bowman. Pastor Michael, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I am maybe no one else will ever see this, but uh, I am sitting on a bed. <laughs> so there's a you know uh you see the bed frame behind yeah. me the headboard uh but no i'm doing well it feels good we were just talking about how it feels good to be kind of back we're uh it's been a crazy season for both of us i mean so, it's been a wild season
0: so you're saying things aren't quite back to normal you're not podcasting yeah. in the in the normal place yet
1: i'm not back and you might be able to hear that with uh you know the i don't have my normal podcasting set up with me on the road i'm on the road for uh. Uh, for a a graveside service for a member of our church who passed away. And um, so it's not quite normal, but maybe we'll be back to normal shortly. Well, we
0: are thankful that you are doing the work of a shepherd. So Pastor Michael, there's something we need to talk about here that I did not check with you before, but I'm about to make an executive restless decision. Uh, So everyone needs to listen. Pastor Michael, as you know, we are getting ready to live stream some watch parties for the good faith debates for TGC. We are not quite at 200. We're very close.
1: We're I've so decided. Close. one Have of looked sub- recently? I- we're close. We're
0: about, we're over 170. We're at like 175 or something. Uh, last I checked. And you know what? We are going to send one of our subscribers a restless gift basket. All right. After During our first live stream We're going to choose a subscriber to receive Could be could have some merch in it Could have some books Could be old YRR books we've signed Could be helpful books It'll be full of stuff And we're also going to send one to one of our patrons So right now Everyone listening can go subscribe on YouTube For a chance to win If you're like, man, 1 of 200 1 of 210 is not a great chance for me Then sign up for the Patreon And move it to 1 of 40 For $3 a month three bones you can listen to more of me and elijah if you enjoyed us talking about the chosen which i know a number of people have we've gotten a lot of great feedback on that show so that's the executive decision pastor michael
1: love it love it we want to give something away so why not why not sign up
0: that's right help us help you now pastor michael there's someone who often helps us help the show um and his name is Dr. Leighton Flowers. Uh he's should he just be a co-host soon? <laughs> um Dr. Leighton Flowers, if you have any sense of humor, I think you 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 could enjoy talking to us on the show. Um I don't know. I, I don't listen to you to know if you ever tell jokes. Um but you and James White seem both to have a not super sense of humor kind of personality. which does, <laughs> But we appreciate the things you share on the internet
1: because it does. We do. help it you. helps us. It and really so helps us.
0: Here, as we are now out of Winsome Winter, Pastor Michael, I think it's important. We're going to talk about something Leighton Flowers shared. We're actually not responding to Dr. Leighton Flowers, uh, but we are talking about a video clip he shared. Um, because we need to talk about a kind of Calvinism that at least a lot of people are afraid exists. And Leighton Flowers, doing his best to scour the internet for all such kinds of things, found an example of what we what we will be calling unbelieving Calvinism. A unbeliever professing Calvinism and as the reason they do not believe the gospel because they have not been given the gift of regeneration by the holy spirit um pastor michael i i mean maybe am i wrong i just i think this is a thing people are afraid will exist if we talk about uh the kind of predeterminism included in the doctrines of grace
1: no that's absolutely right i i think so what often comes up when we're talking about calvinism what often comes up is Well, that is just fatalism. Mm. That's where it goes, right? It's just fatalism. And um, some cage stage Calvinists don't help that any. (laughs) Because when people say, well, that's just fatalism, they will say things like, yes. (laughs) Yes, you're right. Well, doesn't that just make us robots? Yes. Yes. It just it just makes us robots. God well, can do okay. what he
0: wants. Boom. Right.
1: <laughs> it's, so it gets, it. you know, to people's credit, um, there are people that are supposedly, you know, espousing Calvinism that would um, lend some credibility to the claim that doesn't this just put us in a place of fatalism? And so I haven't watched the video we're about to watch, but um, it does, you know, it seems like some people may, may take that. But in this case, it, it is different. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure.
0: Let, yeah, let, let's start here before we even watch the clip. What, Pastor Michael, will you quickly tell a young Calvinist what would distinguish the biblical doctrine of God's decree as in that God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass, his election that he will save whoever he chooses And he's made that predetermination (laughs) before time began and that our salvation, our experience of the benefits of Christ is dependent on the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. How would you distinguish that for someone going, I heard Matt say those three things. That sounds a lot like fatalism. And I tell my friends that and they get mad and I laugh because I'm a cage stage Calvinist. How (laughs) how, How would you help them understand that as different?
1: Yeah, so um, maybe a, a place to start. There are several different places we could start, but number one is that it is true that all things are determined by the decretive will of God. And you are not privy to that, mm-hmm. right? And you, you are not God. And you live in time, in history, as a finite creature living out the story of life, what that means is that um, you don't live um, from that perspective, right? You don't live from God's perspective, if that makes sense. Um, Not that, you know, uh, what God does doesn't clearly uh, influence your life. Um, But to think that it's fatalistic would mean that um, you already know the outcome, right? You know where it's going to end. Um, but that is to say that you know the mind of God and his, um, his predetermined will. But you don't. There are things you know. There are things He's given you to know. Uh, but you don't know that. Number two, um, what we're taught in Scripture, and honestly just by, <laughs> by just uh, you know, regularly, regular ordinary use of the means available to us, I think, um, is that God works through means. Right, God, God works through means. And so this is why, for instance, in the Westminster Confession, there's a distinction um, made uh, about the idea of secondary causes. Yes, God is the primary cause of all things, but there, there are secondary causes. There are, there are other things going on that God uses as the means to carry out his decrees. And so <clears throat> when you think about fatalism, fatalism is so much more um, mechanistic. Mm-hmm. it's so just like it's like you know gears turning they have to go this way it's you know it's it's that's it it's a it is a robot it is a machine that's not the kind number 1 that's not the kind of god that we have god is personal right he he is he is love um and the kind of world that he's made is not a world of pure mechanical processes Right, The kind of world he's made is an organic world, a, a world where there is, is give and take and movement and growth and change. And so to, to look at the doctrine of predestination or of God's decrees, and then from there to say, well, then that means for my individual life, this is exactly what things are like. That is just, it's just such a false leap.
0: Yeah, it definitely, I mean, there's a few, I think this is, those are, that's all really great. It sounds like, right, when we talk this way, that like God causes things basically on the same level that I do. That's one of the other problems, right? Like that, like, so either I cause things or God does. Right. And God causes things, so I don't. So, right, it turns me. Honestly,
1: it's taking the same presupposition. When you, when you as a, a new Calvinist, take up the, you know, the Calvinist mantle, and you describe it and understand it as a kind of fatalism, what you're actually doing is you are taking the presuppositions that Arminians have, right? That, well, if if God has this much freedom, then we can only have this much. And if I, if I have this much freedom, then God can't have that freedom, because that's how freedom works. It's just, it's either me or him, whereas that's not true at all.
0: Right. And so this idea that right because future events are inevitable based on past fat events based on fate based on these things actually as i think about it is is contrary to the christian worldview because the moment sin entered we would just say the total destruction of humanity was inevitable but god altered that like god altered the the inevitable right the, the idea of calling something from our mind inevitable, as you're saying, claims we know the mind of God, claims we know things, and we claim to know things because of a mechanic, mechanistic way. Um, and what it's basically doing is assuming the universe will run the way it's supposed to and then taking into account sin, so it won't, but then not able, because we can't take into God's special grace Because it's special. We literally can't account for it because it doesn't exist in history. So here has been our little pitch. This would be a great thing for me to clip and put out there why Calvinism isn't fatalism. Um, And maybe I'll do that because this was great. But what we need to talk about is that's, while I believe true, what we're talking about, what many people worry is that, and I've heard people say when I became a Calvinist or I was a Calvinist, and then I, I then became sure I wasn't elect, right? Um, right. Or, uh, you know, or these kinds of things. So, and, this, that, and it, it's very,
1: com- right. It is very common for, um, for people within reformed churches to constantly be questioning, right? Well, am I elect? Am I right? Am I chosen? Have I been predestined? That is a common, a common trope, a common problem.
0: Yes. So um uh Leighton Flowers is um uh, responding to a meme, which maybe we'll get to because it's pretty bad. Um, but it's also a second commandment violation. But I want to grant that here's how Dr. Leighton Flowers Soteriology 101. 101. This is a 101 thing in soteriology, um, is he says this may, s- oh, sorry, I can't give him this. credit. I was about to, I was going to say this might be an overstatement, but he said this might seem like an overstatement, but instead he's saying like, definitely not an overstatement. Yep. Um, um, This may seem like an overstatement, this meme, which we may get to, we may not, maybe we'll do for our patrons. But this reminds me exactly of what Derek Webb, a former Calvinist turned atheist said in an interview, right? And so this is, again, this idea that um, basically the, the gist of it is, Um, this person, I won't show their meme, but it says Calvinists believe regeneration precedes faith. They also believe only the elect can be saved. It falls. God doesn't want everyone to repent and believe. They complain about people not believing, even though God doesn't want them to, according to their theology. Right. And so that is what Dr. Leighton Flowers, I was going to give him credit, sounded like an overstatement, but he's saying, no, this is kind of spot on. Um, and, and and we should take his opinion as a certain former Calvinist. Now, Derek Webb was in a Christian band I never listened to, uh, Cademan's Call. I know probably our older listeners probably listened to this. Um, and I do know for a number of people, when this guy became an atheist, it was sort of a big deal. Pastor Michael, now he's just released a new album. Now he's an atheist, and you gotta love it when atheists do stuff like this. He's just released his new album called The Jesus Hypothesis. How how oh, much are you interested in listening to a single second of this album?
1: As my young son would say, zero. Zero zero zero, <laughs> Matt. So
0: what about getting it on an 180-gram vinyl? Wow.
1: Um <laughs> so it is the pipeline of like cheesy Christian musician to like postmodernist is just pretty massive, isn't it? It's i pretty mean, it's undefeated just, at this point. And it's always like that. These people, right? Like so many artists, musician types in this in these circles, they're such narcissists that they're like, I had everything wrong my whole life. I've just decided to deconvert. Now everybody listen to me and let me put out more information for you to follow and listen to. And isn't it wonderful? But like, you're such a narcissist. You don't recognize that maybe you should take a break, buddy. You know, like maybe you should sit out for a little while. If everything that you said that you believe forever, actually now you say is completely wrong or, or, you know, it's just, it's just wild.
0: Now, Now, as a new homeowner, Pastor Michael, maybe you can sympathize with this idea that maybe what driving this, those mortgage payments, they don't, they don't pay themselves.
1: They they don't stop. So they don't stop. That's probably true.
0: Derek Webb's uh, first uh, single on this album is called Sympathy for Paul. Are you at a 0% for wanting to hear a single second of sympathy
1: for Paul? (laughs) He's, he's got sympathy for, for that rube Um, now. If just people past- want, we'll, we'll listen for the patrons. How about that? Yeah, the well, that's a want, great idea. Patreon patrons, content. Put it in the group chat. If you want us to listen to this and talk about it, we'll listen to it.
0: So pastor Michael, uh, before we play his clip talking about his Calvinism as an atheist, um, tell just give people a, a quick audio description of what, what the cover art of the Jesus hypothesis is.
1: So it's, Number one, he's right in the center looking up at this whiteboard. And the whiteboard is full of, you know, writing and scratches all over. It's kind of made to look like, you know, a conspiracy theorist board. You know what I mean? Yeah. With you know, lines pointing to this and moving all over the place and all these notes. And then right in the middle is written the Jesus hypothesis. I'm also I'm pretty sure it says up in the corner, one of the big ones, it says, All I want is my bedroom. Am I reading that right? What is it?
0: I believe so. It also says, Where am I? Do I confess? Yeah, all I want is my bedroom. I I it's hard. Maybe again, it's not.
1: I don't know if it says bedroom.
0: It's it's this idea of right now. I basically I think again what we're getting is he is having to recraft his who Jesus is to account for his atheism, right? Like he can't yes. throw away Jesus, so he's got to create a hypothesis or how to do it and maybe that is why he has sympathy for paul because he believes basically paul did the same
1: thing but maybe jesus was actually just like me an (laughs) artist the most important person in the world
0: (laughs) that would be a common hypothesis so (laughs) let's listen to mr Derek webb in this interview and find out what um let our listeners hear what unbelieving calvinism sounds like and um we will talk about uh, why why this is a concern.
2: And with my Christian friends who try to convince me this, I say, listen, like, I don't know why you're trying to
0: pre- – I believe he's talking about his Christian friends trying to convince him, please return to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Like, someone in his life loves him, which we are thankful for those yeah, people. God
1: bless you guys.
2: Persuade me. Hmm. because your own bible says it's a gift that it's a gift it's the work of the
0: spirit start to finish it's a it's the, a rem- Who's this guy doing this interview feeding, I, feeding I these bad ideas <laughs> um so it's and a it gift. looks like
1: they're in some kind of a church right of we, course they geared.
0: are right um so it's a gift here we go so he's like well you can't persuade me because it's a gift
2: removing of a heart of stone or replacing with a heart of flesh that is not something you can do for me yeah so if it's true, we're both depending on the spirit to show yeah. up. I'm literally in the grave next to Lazarus, yeah. waiting for the to hear my, waiting, waiting to hear my name. Yeah. And I'm gonna lay in there dead till he shows up. Yeah. Somebody asked me uh, near the beginning of this year, of Living Christianly, well, what would it take for you to believe? What would it take for mm. you
0: Okay, so this some kind of maybe he's interviewing him on some kind of podcast called Living Christianly, where maybe an atheist tried to live like a Christian, which what a what a I don't I mean, just like I I don't have a good what a cringy idea right like (laughs) uh okay
2: believe in God that's easy God would have to give me faith because um, I can't reach out and grab it what it would take is a miracle it would take a miracle
1: yeah it would like what,
2: what 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 does it take for a dead man to come out of his, to come six feet out of the ground, yeah. it takes someone to dig him out, yep. to open the box and revive
0: him, breathe into his nostrils, and, and
2: the Bible makes it very clear that there is nothing less spiritually than that going on.
0: Yeah. In so, Pastor Michael, we have about thirty five seconds left of this clip. Um, I mean, these guys are like we are doing a we are doing a Bible study. We are talking yeah, right. about regeneration. We are talking about the gift of salvation, and we need it. We need it. Um, how what's happening what's happening here
1: um so this kind of thing always reminds me right now especially coming off of of uh thinking especially about um the death of christ and his trial and coming off of of you know uh, Palm sunday and good friday and easter thinking about the hardness of heart of the pharisees Mm. of a lot of the religious leaders in jerusalem Um, who like heard what jesus said who saw the things that he did and still like refused to believe Mm. you know who still just like it it still is on him you know it's still on him that they don't believe right that's what that's what this comes down to i think um is the same it's the same heart that heart of of using anything that you can to not believe, right? To like, you, you are blaming him. It's his, it's his fault that right. I don't believe. When the scripture, if you actually knew the scripture you're speaking of, right? Which speaks of him. Um, you would be able to hear the words repent and believe and repent and believe, <laughs> sure. you know? Like you could, you could do that right now. Uh, But you are refusing to because of your hardness of heart.
0: Man, I'll just say listening to this. Trying to think of the right scripture. This makes me think of listening. I'll just say listening to this is terrifying. Not because I'm like, oh, no, how would I respond? But I'm like, Lord, I hope I like it just it's so blasphemous and like evil that I that I am truly uncomfortable listening to someone speak like this right and i'm just trying to put my finger on the exact the verses that this that this just like this remind this is like this is testing god in
1: the most like terrifying way right um yeah no it, it is it really is can and
0: now again let me just say um one thing we are missing here and obviously this is the this is the obvious thing we're missing is well why don't you repent and believe well i'm dead and i need you know whatever no no like you actually you are again short-circuiting the biblical revelation because the answer is sin yep right actually no the answer is you are rebelling against god you are in sin not you know you
1: are a narcissistic artist who has to die to yourself and believe in someone other than yourself get that's like that's what you have to do um, and you will refuse to do it because you love yourself more than you love him
2: mm. salvation absolute new life new life from death to life yeah, yeah. And that's what would be required. Yeah, and and I, I, I and I'm open to that. it. I'm, I mean, I'm well, literally, yeah. I'm literally in the grave waiting to hear my name. Yeah, anytime.
1: anytime. If, that, if that's the picture. Because if there is
2: going to be a work of the spirit going on, I want in. And I won't be able to resist it, and yeah. I can't call out for it. Yeah. I cannot coax him over. Yeah. Either my name is written in the book of life, or it's not. Yeah.
0: So they're waiting, Pastor Michael. They, they couldn't be more interested.
1: Apparently. Right. Yeah. Oh man, it is. It's just such a gross such a gross thing to do um to be so um it so i just preached on easter uh uh, about the disciples on the road to emmaus Mm. as they speak with christ and they don't recognize him and they have a kind of spiritual blindness at the time right um but i differentiated it from the blindness that we also saw of the religious leaders um, who, who put Christ to death, because it's not the same thing. Because these disciples clearly are like, there is a level of, I, you know, as Calvinists, we're going to hate that I'm going to use this kind of a language, but there is something about them that is seeking, right? Like they are, they have a kind of belief. They have a kind of willingness and desire to believe, Right. Whereas yes. the religious leaders, they knew that Jesus must be the Messiah, right? They, he, they heard what he said, and they saw him raise people from the dead. They had those experiences that these guys are talking about, by the way, the, the experience of it, like seeing it, experiencing it. Um, they didn't have it happen you know, in their own heart, but they saw those things that I guarantee if you ask these two guys, hey, if you saw Jesus in the flesh and he raised somebody from the dead and said he was the son of God, would you believe in him? And they would probably say yes. Oh, yeah. Um, but there were many who not only saw those right. things um, and did not believe, but they actively sought to kill him. Correct. Right. The, and so the idea the, that that is what you need to believe or, or like, you know he's he's just not doing enough. That is exactly the heart of the people that killed Jesus Christ.
0: And and yeah, let me just give one example so that our everyone listening can think about um, when Jesus healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. It says they sought to begin to look for reason to arrest him. They seal yep. him, heal a man, a miraculous healing in front of their eyes. We got to get this guy.
1: Same with when when Jesus raises uh, Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead. St-
0: Yeah. And Lazarus, both Jesus and Lazarus. They say we
1: need to kill both of them now because people are going to (laughs) believe. Yep. Yep. It's just wild. But that's, this is the same. It, it might not look the exact same, but it is the same kind of a heart. But they say, when they talk like this, they act like they're those disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? They actually desire to believe. It's not true. It is a lie, right? They are lying. We. We live in
0: this time, actually, where I think for many people, the people who often talk about being most open, I'm open. I, you know, like, you know, the most willing to dialogue and they are the Pharisees. Yeah.
1: They're the ones marching in pride parades. You know, I mean, like they're the ones that are that are out in the streets, you know, out, uh, you know, looking for man's. Man's attention. They are the narcissistic artists. They like that is who we're talking about. And
0: and right, like even in Jesus' day, the Pharisees. Oh, we we're coming to ask him a question, right? Like even that right. day, they're we're like, just Whoa, asking. It's oh, it's we're,
1: just a, we're just questioning. Yeah, is it wrong? Does God not want me to ask questions? <laughs> right. These are evil people, like and they have to repent, right? And and Lord willing, they will, right? I mean, Paul did. Yep. So I mean, it can happen. It just like the idea that they are in the position of a victim is just so wicked. Yes. All right.
0: Let's finish this little clip and then we'll talk about uh some some Calvinist principles that I think will be helpful to people. And uh yeah.
2: There's a point where I said, you know what, maybe, maybe God made me and fashioned me for destruction. Yeah. yeah. And so there's nothing I'm gonna be able to do to change his mind about it. So maybe it's all real and I'm just not chosen.
0: Mm. And when so my pastor michael um Derek Webb has concluded perhaps God who apparently – like again this is the problem, even the description of uh he's an atheist now again late Dr Leighton flowers did you edit out something like, well, according to Christians, though I don't believe did you did you? Did you edit out where they say, I don't really believe this, but if I did, here's what, how I would think about this. Now, if you did, shame on you. Um, But what, again, what this guy's professing is, I understand the scriptures and I am a, I am the Romans nine reprobate (laughs) who is, who is, um, who's headed for hell. So pastor Michael, which is by
1: the way, exactly the kind of excuse that you would expect from somebody that wants to live in their sin. (laughs) Like that, right. Of yes. course, they're going to use whatever they can. Of course, yes. they're doing that.
0: So let's let's differentiate something. And, and then I'm going to go to the con, two parts of the confession that I think may be helpful. So number one, um, here's the thing I want to differentiate. There are some things they said that on a surface level are true. Correct? Like there are... Now, I agree they have a evil motivation i agree these are um this is like plausible arguments right this is a selective use of scripture yes but we we but what i do want to affirm and i'm not necessarily saying it about these people i want to affirm there are people there are carnal unsafe people that could read the bible and because god's (laughs) sovereignty is so apparent, they could read Jonathan Edwards, they could read the Westminster Confession of Faith, and they could say, I understand this teaches, right, the following things, right? Yep. How is that person who is not believing, they understand on an intellectual level, how is that different than what we what we are affirming and describing and, um, and hoping people will, will not abandon even as they leave the YRR.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess there are a lot of ways we can take this. Sure. Uh, but as you were talking, one thing that comes to my mind is simply the, the missing element of grace. And mm. um, So again, it all sounds so mechanistic. And it sounds like God is just, like it's it's malicious. it's just it's uh, you know, there's no love or care or reason behind it. There's no grace behind it. Um, that the character of God is one of just pick and choose. and that's as far as it goes, right? Like that's it it's just very random. And um, whereas when we talk about, you know, Calvinism, Right, One of the, the shorthands that we often use talking about Calvinism is what? The doctrines of grace. Mm. Because the emphasis that we put on God's sovereign will and salvation, we don't put that emphasis, and Scripture too, by the way, when you read Scripture, the places where it puts the emphasis on, on God's total uh, and absolute control and will, it is done so in the context of explaining how incredible His grace is. That's, that is the context. That He would, though we are dead in our sins and trespasses, though we, are, um, we do and would refuse Him, and we would, if He came into the world, put Him to death. Yet, in His kind sovereignty he changes our hearts right he he makes a way that we might believe hmm. and so that's you know that's just one thing i would say i guess that, that came into mind while you were talking
0: yes um yeah i think again i think that there is right there is a way again that that intellectually there might be um a similar understanding, but there is, as you're saying, on there's no grace, there's no faith, there's, they have, right, one of the things they obviously, and though they probably wouldn't admit it, they see no beauty in this. Yeah. Right, they like, and here's how I know on a, on a base, on a deep basis, we're not understanding the same thing because you are meant to be comforted and see beauty in this.
1: And that's the other thing. Comfort, like the the comfort, God's sovereignty, and again, a a large percentage of the cases that it's spoken of in scripture is having to do with the comfort of the believer, with being able to trust him all the more. Not as an opportunity for you to say, well, now I can't trust him because look, he's like this. That is, that is it actually is almost to misread it, to misunderstand it.
0: Yeah. So, um, again, again, as you said, there's a lot of ways we could take this, right? Obviously, we we're we're uh, I we could go down the the. You're denying human responsibility, devi- denying the right kind of freedom of the will. You're denying the um, actual call of the gospel. You're denying, you know, the actual problem of sin. But what I want to do is. One, when I hear this, there are two things I think of, and w- both are from um, Calvinist documents in our understanding of certain things. Would you read the last section of of God's eternal decree um from the Westminster Confession? That's section eight there.
1: The doctrine of this high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care that men attending to the will of God revealed in his word and yielding obedience thereunto, may from the certainty of their effectual vocation be assured of their eternal election. So shall this doctrine afford matter of praise, reverence, and admiration of God, and of humility, diligence, and abundant consolation to all the sincerely to all that sincerely obey the gospel.
0: So one thing that I believe, I hope we can learn from this clip, more than if Derek Webb is good or bad, but that what they are not doing and what often young YRR Calvinists don't do, and I didn't do, take no sense of I'm approaching a high mystery. This must be handled with prudence and care.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think that, to jump into this like it's just a common concept that we can just discuss freely um, and easily, whenever we want, um, shows the kind of I don't know, laxadaisical approach that we have to some of these things. Especially again when we're talking about things that have to do with with the mind of God as much as He's revealed to us in Scripture, uh, but knowing that what we know is limited.
0: And so while we don't agree with the Lutherans that well they might say well we kind of believe these things but we don't talk about them because of certain kinds of dangers like the one we watched in this video we obviously say well god has revealed this answer he has revealed it to us for a reason and for example the answers are things for our own assurance right um having obedience admiration praise for god humility but we approach it as we approach something high and holy and we don't, um, you know, like even the old Driscoll duck, duck, Dam. While it was a, it seemed like a glorious moment to own some postmodern people. <laughs> um, yes. We, we are, we are taking no care. And this is something that deserves so much care. Um, and, I I do wonder um, how much obviously there are people who hate Calvinism <laughs> um, and people who we can never we can never convince. And that's OK. But I just wonder if how much responsibility those who have talked about this with so little lack of care should should mm. take upon ourselves for the people who yep. who have such an allergy to this doctrine.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of where we started, right? I mean, you know, to their credit, we, we have not always done what we should in espousing these things. And there's a lot of people and probably even a lot of you that listen to this podcast. And I don't, I'm not trying to just offend you to be offensive, but you probably shouldn't talk about these things. Like you're probably not in the place to discuss this with people, maybe with your pastor. But like you don't have to be the one to be the defender of Calvinism. Uh, right. You just don't have to be. Now, I say that, but also I love you guys. I mean, I love that you want to defend the doctrines of grace, and that's a good thing, right? And that um, or it, it at least can be a really good thing. And yes. so I don't want to completely, you know, say you shouldn't do this at all, but there's something to the reality that, you know, these these high and weighty doctrines, um, they really they're not made for just like schoolyard discussion. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to be careful as you discuss these things. uh,
0: Right. My, my general advice would be, you aren't going to settle this with people who don't like it at 1230 at night over little Caesar's pizza. Sorry. Like, but, but I do think for young, uh, young men and young women interested in these things, like it was for you and I, the, and this is probably the key understand you will get more out of this conversation than you will do convincing you will learn about the questions you need to ask and how to think um and therefore it's incumbent upon you to not damage others while you learn right yeah that's that's the key now here's the final thing we i want to talk about with these these men now i don't know about the other guy but i do know this about Derek webb Derek Webb is not just an atheist. Derek Webb is not just an unbeliever. That's right. Derek Webb is an apostate. Derek Webb has left the faith. Pastor Michael, there is a fairly large distinction biblically between a person who who does not know Christ and has abandoned the faith.
1: That's right. Yeah, and we should not treat them the same, right? So like somebody who has grown up in a secular culture and has imbibed atheism— and you're speaking with them, I think they can be treated with much more compassion than somebody who has um, gone out of their way, who has spent many years um, professing the faith, right, and professing to be a kind of leader of people, right. That's that is what somebody who's making music for Christians, right? Like that's you are in a you have a higher responsibility in a sense too, and. Now you would go on to deny the faith. You should be treated uh, in a way that is uh, like, you need to repent, and that's it, right? Like we shouldn't. We should not uh, care to listen to you as though you have something of merit for us to to consider.
0: And Pastor Michael, obviously, I completely agree because the scriptures don't handle these cases the same. The scriptures don't handle um, those, right? Paul tells people the times of ignorance of over, right? It's time for you to repent. Right. He, he doesn't excuse sin, but they don't speak about them the way they speak about false teachers. They don't right. speak about them the way they speak of Simon Magus. May your money perish with you, <laughs> right? Right. There are times where there's something different. And, and it really reminds me of, one of the warnings in hebrews um it says um for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have once tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the holy spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the son of god to their harm and holding them up in contempt for land that has drunk rain that often falls on it and produces crops useful to those for whose sake is cultivated receives a blessing of God, but if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless, near to being cursed, and in the end is burned. The Bible makes such a huge distinction between a person who doesn't know and a person who has experienced some of the common operations of the Holy Spirit, and, and are doing something where they are dare I say, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When you yeah, are describing well, the work of regeneration this way, you to me sound dangerously close to a person committing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit.
1: And that's what I'm saying with the, the connection between these types of men, or at least Derek Webb and the Pharisees, right? And, and those who, who did crucify the Lord, uh, they, like, who sought to put him to death having seen and experienced who he was, what he could do, and then turning a blind eye to that. And not even it's not even a blind eye. It is an active rebellion against that. Yes. No. That is a high evil. It is a now, high evil. Let me now read one more
0: answer that I believe gets at this. And it's one of the if until you really start thinking through these things, it's one of the most perplexing verses in the Bible and sections even in the Westminster Larger Catechism. So this is Westminster Larger Catechism 183. For whom are we to pray? We are to pray for the whole church of Christ on the earth, for magistrates and ministers, for ourselves, our brethren, yea, our enemies, right? So this is a why we are to pray. This is what Jesus taught, right? And for all sorts of men living or that shall live hereafter. Great future children, grandchildren, those who'd come after us, but not for the dead. Obviously they are differentiating themselves from Roman Catholics, right? Who pray for the dead. And this is the final one that I think most people often find so difficult and not for those who are known to have sinned unto death. And it's a reference to, um, first John five sixteen. if any man sees a brother sin, a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give them life, and they shall not sin unto death. There is a sin unto death, and I do not say to pray for those who commit it. Now, we need to be careful again, because we are in very careful areas, which is why the confession even says only those who are known. It, it is trying to make this so careful, so cautious. Now, John is likely referencing this unpardonable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit Jesus teaches in Matthew 12, Mark 3. Now, we should say it's not that this sin is so great it can't be forgiven, but because the way you are speaking cuts you off from repentance and faith, right? Yeah. You could hear in their voice, they're refusing repentance and faith.
1: Right. It cuts you off from the possibility of, of what would give you life.
0: That's right and so in a stubborn persistent complete resistance to this is going to eventually be left to the hardness of heart think of pharaoh right um and 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 this is um and and then therefore since salvation in this case would be impossible it is not god's will that they be prayed for right that's that's the logic of the verse right um and so i'm not saying we don't pray for derek webb i'm not saying that this applies this again is not a thing we should uh apply right like essentially what we're saying is we should not pray that god will save those who will never believe right like we're essentially not to ask for some form of universalism right um But what I'm trying to show, and I believe the confession shows, is the grave difference of apostasy than unbelief. Yeah, Because the Pharisees are not unbelievers. They are not people who don't believe in Jesus. They are people who, as Pastor Michael has emphasized, see Jesus, know Jesus, Uh, or today. They know the scriptures. They understand the doctrines of grace, and they look at that, and they say, no, I know it, and I'm leaving it. I'm refusing it. I gospel is a, It is a
1: high handed rebellion. Scripture does speak in different ways of different kinds of sin and different kinds of rebellion. Not all sins are equally heinous. And this is a high handed rebellion against God.
0: And and perhaps this is maybe the place to land it. This is the danger with Christianity today and many our people courting deconstruction.
1: Yeah, like there absolutely. is some good to it. Like
0: there is some benefit to it, that this is a way to handle the harm that was real in certain cases and the wrong beliefs that have been real, that deconstruction is a way to handle it is so, and then not only that, but we can then learn,
1: we can take a moment
0: and learn from
1: deconstruction. Not right. They're, They're like the people we should learn from. And then all of these guys, Derek Webb, that, you know, uh, Michael Gunger, like all of these guys, they start their podcast where they just blaspheme the Lord over and over. And everybody's like, well, what? What? They've got some really interesting points. No, they don't. Right. (laughs) No, they don't. Like this is high handed rebellion of the same variety that crucified the Lord. Like we, this is not something that we should want to play around with.
0: And therefore, the, the verses we may think about that describe how we may love unbelievers and try and bring them in and, and hear them out, do not apply to these people. right. How we treat them is not that we don't want them to repent, right? Think about Paul. Paul says, "I don't judge any unbelievers. I They are not part of the household of God. He says, "Oh, but that man, hand him over to Satan." right. And why? Not because I hate him, but because that he may repent and be saved on the last day
1: that's right that's right
0: but that's different than paul's attitude towards non-believers that he pleaded with day after day to receive the benefits of christ to that man he says let him go to satan yeah that's his hope the hope for that man is that satan would so destroy him that he will come back to christ yeah pastor michael winsome winter is over so we talked oh, it's about... over <laughs> <laughs> it
1: is over so
0: we talked about high-handed rebellion calvinism reprobation election
1: we're back we're back baby back in the saddle again here we are
0: thank you everybody for listening please subscribe we're giving stuff away now please sign up for the Patreon. We're giving away gift baskets. I don't know if we're going to put a literal basket in the box we send you, but we'll put a handwritten note of some kind. That's for sure. You can, you can bet that will happen. Um, but Pastor Michael, this is great. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, patrons. Thanks, everybody.